Hello, everyone, and welcome to another bite-sized breakdown with someone who is not Nate or Josh. I almost said Drake or Josh there. Not Nate or Josh, but it is Wesley returning for another bite-sized breakdown on something that is, you know, in particular, something I, I kind of have a little bit of expertise about. Maybe not a lot, but a little bit. And that has to do with gamification and edutainment and all that cool stuff as it relates to, you know, learning in a school environment. So uh, just before I start, though, this episode may require a little bit of extra editing on Josh's part because I am currently being the the good dad that I am and rocking my daughter to sleep, my eight-month-old daughter, in the little carry pack thing. So you may, like, hear a little bit of, you know, gurgling and boogling and all that or some, like, deep contented breathing because she's finally falling asleep which she doesn't do anymore but i digress <laughs> anyway so this is a this is a party of two tonight so me and my daughter so yeah that that's awesome and she's looking up at me like wow you sound crazy but anyway gamification and edutainment so for those who don't know i am actually a teacher I have been teaching for nearly eight years now, and it's primarily been in the elementary level. I, I've dabbled a little bit with middle school and high school, you know, teaching like summer type classes and ESL classes when I lived in Korea. But my primary like expertise is in the elementary classroom. So I taught first grade for several years, then I switched over to fourth grade and realized, wow, this is really awesome. I need to just stick with fourth grade because I don't know, it feels like I can actually like do stuff, which is just really cool. So the idea of gaming in the classroom, it's really not a new idea. It's one that I was like really pondering when I was doing my education in Korea as I, you know, was working and getting my teaching credential and everything. But there's a lot of confusion about it as well as to actually how to like implement gaming in the classroom. Is it just, you know, you bring games in the class and the kids learn because they're playing games? people don't know and because you know teaching is kind of like a diversified field at this point well not diversified i I should say like either teachers are getting like really really old and they don't really want to you know do new stuff or they're like really young and they don't really have the experience to figure out like what are best practices and such so that's where i come in like you know this is something i really was like focused on when i was in korea as like kind of like a side project really i read a lot of books on gamification and such and you know, I, I put some of that to the side by the time, you know, I got back to America and I started teaching in an actual school setting and I realized that I need to actually get like classroom management under my belt. So this is something that I've been putting a little bit more recent thought into and I'd like to share some of my thoughts with you. So the two main terms, as I mentioned before, that you probably heard are edutainment and gamification. And edutainment was really like, you know, more of a 90s thing. Gamification seems to be more of a recent development. So that's what I'm going to really focus on. They're, they're certainly similar, and but they have their own distinctions when it actually comes to educating students. So I, I had a lot of discussions with peers and teaching mentors back when I was like really learning. But again, nobody really understands how it works because you got this big like division in age and experience and everything. So I've spent quite a few years studying from the pioneers in the field, and I, I'd like to relay what I've learned. So let's focus specifically on edutainment. What, what do you think of when you hear the term like gaming in the classroom or classroom games what first comes to your mind but if you're like me you probably think oh that's like you know playing bingo during holidays especially valentine's day when you can get like extra candy or heads up seven up i know a lot of people still remember that game whether you know maybe if you're not homeschooled or maybe if you're homeschooled you might not know that but heads up seven up i mean that was super fun where you have the people like put their heads down and the people come around and like tap their shoulder or whatnot and then they have to guess who actually like got them and maybe you even think of oregon trail or carmen san diego mavis beacon typing or even mario teaches typing that was a weird weird thing but i won't get into that 
All of these are really just examples of using games in the classroom in effective ways, and which typically is referred to as edutainment. If you want to use the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition, it is entertainment that is designed to be educational. And that could be by you know, games, films, shows, that sort of thing. So it's not necessarily like specifically gaming oriented but it, it has part of it is you know attached to that meaning um common examples of edutainment in the classroom are ones i mentioned previously like with those different games that we heard and they're designed to teach you about a specific learning area so like geography history a map or maybe even a specific skill such as typing or logic i mean who didn't learn about logical pizza making with the logical journey of the zumbinis right right it might not just have been me i, I hope <laughs> So when I was young, our school computer lab was a central hub for any type of edutainment. Using those giant disks and Apple computers, we loaded up a lot of programs that would allow us to practice these different skills in a controlled area. And that was really fun. We had older and newer computers kind of mixed together in the different areas of the computer lab. So I got to see a wide variety of different programs throughout my time in elementary school. You know, I, I, I grabbed the disks and I would just put the random disks in and was like, race car math. All right, this makes math cool. And then we did like logical journey of the Zumbides on the brand newer computers. And there's a lot of voice clips and during that time my mind was like completely blown that you could have voice clips in a game and it was like oh we're playing a game and i remember when i even got to middle school there was like entire like land sections for age of empires and that was super fun i, I don't even know how they got away with that but that was really fun uh jumpstart games you may have heard about the jumpstart uh programs that have been out there they're an example of edutainment though i feel like they're a bit more broad in the scope because they focus on like grade level and uh they, they try to imp- implement the like concepts and standards and provide a variety of different activities within the game that'll let you explore these different educational areas. So, you know, that's pretty fun. I've had my son like really try to get into those lately with uh, Jumpstart Kindergarten and First Grade. Kindergarten's kind of terrible, but First Grade, that's where it's at. That's where you got the bottle caps, which was basically, you know, a different version of Pogs. And that was super fun. And He's been enjoying that and learning how to use a computer, and he's only like three years old, and he's already getting a lot of these first-grade concepts, or quote-unquote first-grade concepts, concepts we think first-graders need to know at that point. But nowadays, I don't really get a whole lot of that type of stuff. Uh, a lot of the educate, edutainment programs, I should say, are relegated to like specific websites or apps on tablets or Chromebooks. And as a teacher, one of the fun things about having like Chromebooks and Google Classroom available is that I can like really push specific applications to my students that I want them to practice. Like lately, we've been working on specifically like these role-playing games that have to do with language arts skills. And also there's no one for specifically math skills where they're like putting together their party and their character and going on quests and everything. And they have to, in order to like actually like send their attack to the enemy, they actually have to like figure out a math problem within a certain amount of time. And, you know, I guess it's like (laughs) terrible quick time events for them, but you know, they seem to enjoy it and I'm letting them do that. So I've also used like a variety of different typing and coding applications that my students get to use during their, you know, small group rotation time. And they seem to enjoy that. Like I'm not exactly entirely sure what they're learning coding wise, but they're getting a lot of the same concepts that I think like super Mario maker even like applied to them. So it's like level design and whatnot and how to like actually implement different things inside their levels that they get to send to other people and it's really interesting honestly so some kind of gaming creation and it really creates like a central hub for students to make things and share them efficiently with everyone involved in the group even if the programs are maybe not quite as memorable as they used to be i don't know but that's kind of fun to me i I really enjoy using these programs and i think a lot of other teachers do too but for me it's a little bit different because i actually can understand them and actually like figure out oh okay this this is what this is trying to do through this type of specific gaming characteristic. And I think that's pretty fun. 
So uh, that's pretty much it for edutainment. Uh, gamification, though. Edutainment really utilizes gamification in many ways as a means to really engross the students and get them interested in the material. But it stands on its own and is really a continually developing field in the area of education. I, I know it's kind of waned recently, but it, it was really big for the last decade or so. And I think we're really making some interesting inroads with gamification. And that's defined by the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the Bastion of All Knowledge, as a process of adding games or game-like elements to something, such as a task, so as to encourage participation. So when it comes to education education and gamification, uh, many teachers believe it helps to positively motivate their students and allow material to be presented in a way that is familiar to the students and maybe who have gaming knowledge already or interests possibly. So, you know, these kids, they have, you know, knowledge of games. You know, it doesn't even have to be necessarily video games. It could be like board games or anything, like anything that requires like game-like elements, bringing that into the classroom. I've seen great success with teaching kids and getting them interested in the material and all that. So, you know, that that's fun for me. And it's not necessarily like creating games or playing games, but it instead takes those elements and incorporates them into like various parts of classroom instruction so as to better deliver the material and help it, students understand it better. And it takes many, many different forms, like altering the classroom atmosphere to one that is really best exhibiting a culture of gaming really helps students understand basic concepts that apply to both gaming situations in real life. And some examples I took from that from the gamification page on Wikipedia was like progress mechanics, which would be like points, badges, leaderboards, you know, that's like, you know, kids getting achievements or trophies. It's very similar. And there's like a way for people to like, a way for students, I should say, to really display that in a way that's like, oh yeah, basically bragging rights. Basically, this is like a merit badge. Uh, narrative and characters, like, man, role-playing games, that is just like, the educational field is just rife with these Maybe not so great versions of role-playing type games, but it is definitely like ready for somebody to really like take action and really implement something like that. Uh, player control, like the students really get to have a lot of independence when they're doing things that have really been like quote unquote gamified. So like they actually get to choose like, okay, I'm going to focus on this task or such and such. And I know that some people have even like put like a lot of role-playing mechanics with it so like this is a side quest this is a main quest this is i'm going to fight the monster i'm going to level up i'm gaining experience and such so it it really puts them in a position where they feel like they're in control of this educational framework uh immediate feedback so that that's really helpful for kids like they don't really like the idea of you know they do the assignment and they hear like you know three months later on the report card they did terribly on this because blah 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 blah. no this is something that's like very immediate they can see the cause and effect so it's really logical in that way Opportunities for collaborative problem solving. So a lot of gamification focuses on like group-based type projects. So they have to figure out what their roles are within this group. Like what are they best at? Where are they, what are they really like not so great at? You know, where are the strengths? Where are the weaknesses? It's that sort of thing that really helps them to like take control of their learning, like, like previously mentioned. Uh, scaffolded learning with increasing challenges. So meeting students like where they're actually at. Gamification doesn't necessarily require like this one size all one size fits all strategy, but instead like sees students where they're at. Okay, you performed at this level. Let me help you with this, or you performed at this level, so you're ready for a little bit more advanced instruction and such. It's a way of like really getting to the learner, like where are their needs? How can we meet those needs so you can move on to the next level? And I don't say that like a game level, but like whatever the next level of learning is. Uh, opportunities for mastering and leveling up, like I mentioned earlier, there's experience gained. You can like 
if you gamify this idea of experience, they realize that the experiences that they've had actually pushes them and makes them a better person in that regard. And social connection. So going along with group work, like you can really connect really well with others when we're learning in the same type of way and in a scene, in a, in a different context, really. Like it's still within the classroom, but it's like a different type of context within the classroom and this culture that you develop from it. And so I feel like with our connected world and all of our habit tracking, tracking applications and social media and everything, that we're like just positively afloat in gamification. I know that the habit tracker app that people use, which I'm really not interested in, honestly, because I'm kind of lazy, is super like motivating to people, and we we track our stats through like stats through like Fitbit and whatnot, and we're really ignorant on how it really affects us on a daily basis. So an awareness of these mechanics and how they affect us can really help us to implement it for our own benefit. And that, as a teacher, is something that I want to do with these students. And one area of gamification that I would specifically want to focus on is the simulation. And I've been doing a lot of simulation activities with students for quite a few years, and I found that this one area in particular is very helpful in developing understanding in students of like the specific materials we want them to use. So, for example for several years now, when I worked in Korea, we had these Interact simulations that we got from the Interact website, and you can go check them out, and they got some good ones, and maybe not so good ones, but the three specific ones that I'm really familiar with are ones on Christendom and Pioneers, which is the Oregon Trail, basically the Oregon Trail game as a simulation, and Grammar Zones, which is what I'm starting now, and this is really fun. It's like a board game type style, but Christendom especially, like we had second graders through eighth graders, like all working together in the small school in Korea, learning about Christendom. And that allowed us to build amazing things and work together in amazing ways. And one of the things we did is we got several like big refrigerator boxes. And because we're talking about like medieval Christendom, we actually created like this big, long, like castle wall with, you know, a drawbridge and we put a little moat around it and there's a little dungeon attached to it. And it's got all the individual bricks colored in and everything. And it was painted gray and it was awesome. It was a hit and students loved it. They could go inside this little castle and it is, you know, there's only like four feet of space inside, but it was just the idea of them being able to go into this castle and really like pretend that they're in a different world. And it's a lot of like similar to those role-playing mechanics that you'd see, but they're actually getting to do it in such a way. And the Pioneers one, which I started last year with the Oregon Trail unit that we have to do, oh my goodness, it plays out like the Oregon Trail video game. Like, you got this map and everything, and you're going through this, well, fictional route to Oregon, and you really get to, like, interact with the characters in fun ways, and there's, like, these fates that you get to roll for. And if you, you know, roll high, you get a good fate. If you roll low, you get a bad fate, and something bad happens to you your entire, like, half of your party can get totally wiped out and die along the trail and they have to have the survivors of broken wagons join your wagon (laughs) it was just really cool and i like it and the one that i'm doing right now grammar zones it's like basically a board game where you go through like the four different you're talking about nouns adjectives adverbs and uh, verbs and everything and you're going through these different little town sections with different tasks that you do with those different sections of grammar and that's really fun like I, I really have been enjoying it so far i'm not too far into it we're still like within the nouns but they're solving this big mystery that the kids describe oh this is like clue but we're actually kind of playing it out and i'm like yeah yeah that's what we're trying to do we're trying to have fun like that so anyway all that to say though like <laughs> gamification edutainment simulations they all sound great right well well they, they do but there are some things that keep me from you know 
jumping on the bandwagon like whole hogs. So let me, let me just talk about the benefits real quick. I feel like the benefits of gamification and such is that it's engaging for students of all ages. Students love games. Kids love games. And they love playing games. And if you can bring something within like the gift wrap of a game, that's something that they can grab onto easily because it's already something that's in their mind. You can be scaffolding for different levels quite easily, even within the same game. Like, not everybody has the same strengths and everything, and that's what we got to work on. We got to work on shoring up our weaknesses and developing our strengths. It provides a lot of memorable experiences when you're actually acting something out and working together with people. Like, studies show, like, your brain actually, like, absorbs the information a lot better and stays in your long-term memory because all the different senses are involved. And it works well across a variety of disciplines and settings. You know, I could see this easily, like, working in a PE environment, or if you're doing computer lab, you can really, like, develop these simulations together you know, whatever discipline you're in, I could see this working out really well. Some of the drawbacks, though, is that it's really, really time-consuming. I spent probably like two hours of prep today just getting things ready for like two days worth of lessons. And I'm like, oh boy, this is taking a long time for all this gamification. But, you know, is it worth it in many ways? Yeah, it's worth it. And, you know, once I have it prepped, then I can start, you know, pulling it year after year. And, I, you know, it works that way. But you can also get steep, get really, really steeped in the minutiae of everything. It's very detail-oriented, and it's really easy for you and the students to kind of miss the big picture of what you're trying to do. So, you know, they, they might get into the nitty-gritty of a math problem, and they get frustrated because they know it's math and everything, and they don't really see the big picture. They can't really pretend, quote-unquote, that they're doing something in a different way, and it just kind of gets them... You know, a little bit flustered here and there. It, it also isn't helpful for every student. There are, you know, different types of learning styles and such, and not everybody really learns the same. Like, I'm more of an audio-visual learner, so things that I hear I remember a lot better, but I know a lot of people, they just have to, like, draw it out and, you know, map it out in a way that's visually pleasing to them. Or there are some people that just have to, like, see it, or there's some people that really have to act out. And kind of puts people out of their comfort zone when they're asked to do something that's really not particularly comfortable with them. You know, that's part of growing up and you got to learn that, you know, sort of thing eventually, but it doesn't have to be in every single discipline, I suppose. And and one last drawback when it comes to gamification that is very in- extrinsic in many ways. I almost said intrinsic, but it's extrinsic, meaning it's like really like rewarding your extrinsic behavior and doesn't necessarily make you feel intrinsically rewarded. So, it's really easy to get bogged down by that sort of thing as well. But some of the criticisms, like, we should really be asking ourselves, and all Christians really should ask themselves, is, like, is it meaningful to do this type of gamification, or is it something that's just kind of, like, trivial? It's kind of just like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of pointless in so many ways, I suppose. And, you know, for thousands of years, people didn't necessarily learn this way. So is this something that would, that's really meaningful to me today? Is it honorable? Like, you know, depending on whatever kind of role-playing mechanic or overlay that you put over your entire classroom like it could get a little bit uncomfortable for people if they're not you know necessarily comfortable with like magic or anything like that fantasy elements even sci-fi elements can get a little bit prickly here and here and there so you got to be careful of that and will it stand the test of time is gamification just a fad or is it something that's going to continue i i don't necessarily think it's a fad but i think it's something that needs a lot more thought before we can really like implement it whole hog and like every type of you know educational system that we can so my conclusion that I'm really coming to is that since this is a budding field, there's still really a lot of work to be done. I find it to be very fascinating, this whole concept of gamification, edutainment, and whatnot, but I'm cautious about adopting many of the principles like 
all in. And But it, it's very exciting to be on the forefront of a really, not necessarily a new field in education, but something that has like a new life and reinvigorated interests and everything. And I really hope to continue to learn and grow as so I really just become the best teacher that I can. And, you know, hopefully you'd want that from anybody that's teaching you or teaching your kids and whatnot. So I digress. So some resources that you should check out. There's, there's so many of them out there. And some of them have unfortunately like totally gone away. And it's kind of frustrating because they're really good resources. But two in particular, there is a podcast called the Well Played Podcast. And the E-D at the end of played is capital E, capital D. So like well play ed so the ed is for education and it's a it's a podcast about game-based learning and they put out a lot of different episodes and they have a huge like backlog of different episodes and this is like a backlog breakdown you know episode so let's talk about our backlogs our podcasting backlogs they have so much that you can learn even if you're not a teacher if you're a parent that wants to homeschool your kid this has so many good resources that they can address and that they can bring up and I think it's just a fantastic resource. And, you know, you'll probably want to listen to it at a little bit high speed because it gets a little bit drudgy <laughs> here and there. But I think it's really fun. And then the second game or the second resource that I would put for you, the second resource that I would suggest would be The Characteristics of Games. And it's a scholarly book talking about game design and traits. And at, one of the contributors is Richard Garfield of Magic the Gathering fame. So if you're familiar with him, you'll learn so, so much about this, like, I really wish I had this book right now. I lent it out to someone and I never got it back and now I'm never going to get it back. I know that for sure. So it's really frustrating because I don't want to spend another 30 something dollars for this game, but it's really good and it's, it's great. And oh man, I can't even you know, really describe it. Like it's so scholarly and academic and yet he gives so many examples of how these games play out and like, you know, board games or text adventure games or role-playing games and whatnot and how all these different characteristics and traits come together. So I would highly, highly suggest that, you know, he created a famous card game. So basically, you know, you gotta like take some of his word for it. So that's about all I have to say here. Like I, I just enjoy it. Gamification, edutainment, anything. If you want me to come on again and talk about it with the host, let me know, let them know. And we can have a fun little conversation that way. And about this time you can probably hear the snoring of my daughter so i think i was successful in getting her to sleep so anyway thank you for listening and until next time break down backlogs beat them down with like a stick or something i don't know do something to your backlogs save money for finances i guess because 2020 is going to have a lot of games so bye bye Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Backlog Breakdown. If you want to join in the conversation, you can email us at thebacklogbreakdown at gmail.com or join our Facebook group, The Backlog Book Club, on Facebook. And on Twitter, our handle is at bbdowncast. Of course, you can also catch Nate and I on our social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and the GG app. I go by Broccolope, that's spelled B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E, and Nate goes by Nate underscore McKeever. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so over at patreon.com slash thebacklogbreakdown. Till next time, loggers, you keep beating down those backlogs, and we'll keep breaking down the benefits.